now on FM Let's 1071. Go. Bring on the funk on a red funky Friday. We're going to funk it up. That is the idea. Smell it, funk. All right, so it's uh, 5.07. Good morning. Welcome to Friday. Glad you're here. There's Don. There's Jimmy. There's Elaine right over there. And the phones are always open at 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. So, Washington Post, August 27th, August 27th, 2021. Biden vows retribution after 13 U.S. service members were killed in Afghanistan bombing. That was August 26th of 2021. From the Washington Post, single suicide bomber caused the deaths of service members at airport gate, U.S. commander says. A 13th U.S. service member dies and 18 are reported injured, military says. Biden, to those who carried out the Kabul attacks, we will hunt you down and we will make you pay. We will hunt you down and we will make you pay. Well, he did. He hunted down a man in his car with his children. And with a drone strike, he killed the man and his children while he was driving his car carrying water to his family. Uh, that was the retribution that Joe Biden uh, meted out. And now the mother of a Marine murdered in that terrorist attack as the forces left on August 26, one year ago today. One year ago today, the mother of Marine Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, uh, Shanna uh, Chappelle is her name. She said when she was talking to Joe Biden about this, because, you know, he came to show solace to them and to show his sympathy and to really try to understand their pain and feel their pain and to express his sympathy to them. He said, while, or she said, while, while she was talking about her son, Kareem Nakui, President Biden interrupted her and started talking about his son, about Bo, about how Bo died of cancer and he knows what it's like to lose a son, and he knows what it's like to lose a son that's also a member of the military, and he understands, and he feels, and he knows what she's going through. And she said, I remember looking at him and saying, what are you doing? This isn't about your son. This is about my son. Ma'am, you got that completely wrong. When you're talking about the Bidens, it's all about the Bidens. It's all, all, all self-serving. She said, I told him he has no business talking about his son. And then I started to talk again about my son, and he interrupted me again. So, well, I think you should know how I feel about my son being gone. At that point, I'm even more angry because he said he wanted me to know how he feels. Well, I probably sounded like I didn't care, which is not true. But his son died of cancer, and, and he had an opportunity to tell his son goodbye. She said the withdrawal was a complete failure. She was on CNN, and she's right. The withdrawal was a complete failure. She said on CNN they wanted the disastrous pullout forgotten about, and they wanted the 13 that were killed on this date one year ago to be forgotten about, mainly because they were so young. And she recalled the time that Kareem, as a young child, saw a Marine in uniform, and he said, look, Mama, that's what I want to be. And at the age of 18, Kareem joined the military, joined the Marines. Just before the anniversary of Kareem's death, just a couple of weeks ago, in fact, his 28-year-old brother, Dakota Halverson, committed suicide. He started expressing that Kareem's really gone. I just want to go be with him. 
he would go up there where he's buried, where Kareem is buried, and sleep at night sometimes because he didn't want Kareem to be here all alone. And then the 28-year-old brother took his own life. So the ramifications of Joe Biden's disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal and the killing of the Marines, August 26, 2021, and other service members as well, not just Marines, but service members as well, August 26, 2021. And as I look at the news reports and accounts this morning, ABC, Fox News, and the others, none of them calling any attention to the fact that one year ago today we lost 13 service members in a disastrous withdrawal out of Afghanistan. I wanted to be one that would call your attention to them as we, Jimmy and I both have red shirts on today, as we remember everyone deployed, regardless of where they are, they could be in harm's way at this very moment. They could be doing just menial tasks somewhere. But let me tell you something. If you're deployed in service of liberty and freedom on behalf of the United States of America, we love you and we support you and we back you. And we, as long as I sit in this chair, We'll never forget you. The others are. They're forgetting you. The president has not made mention of it. He's not on the schedule to speak today, so I don't know that he'll make mention of it. Well, I can almost guarantee you he won't make mention of it. But we will. We remember the heroes of Kabul. We remember the 13 dead. We remember also the families like Kareem's family, who continues to suffer. It is absolutely something a family never gets over when you lose a loved one like that. And the reverberations last forever, as you can certainly um, tell by what his older brother did. And so we will remember the 13 in Kabul they are true heroes, American heroes. So today, please remember, everyone deployed, please. The FBI warned Facebook of an imminent dump of Russian propaganda shortly before the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, according to Facebook's founder and CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. He was on the Joe Rogan Show. And he revealed that the FBI came to him and interfered in the 2020 election. Now, we're going to reveal to you what the FBI told Mark Zuckerberg. And we're going to reveal to you how that all came down and what happened. I'm going to tell you more about it coming up in our next segment. And there's uh, news today that's going to be going on about the Mar-a-Lago raid and the affidavit. And they tried Russian collusion. They tried to say that he's attempting to sell nuke secrets. They accused him of racism, of fascism, of sexism, of misogyny, of xenophobia, of perjury, of sex crimes, of mental illness, of treason. (laughs) They impeached him a couple of times. And now, ladies and gentlemen, they're taking their attack on Donald Trump to a whole new level and a whole new avenue. Wait until you hear what they're blaming Donald Trump for now. You're going to love it. All right, Rick, you're on KTSA, and happy Friday to you, Rick. Thanks for the call. Hey, um, thank you. Y'all do a great service. Um, What I remember most is how he was at Dover and watching his watch, how humiliating to defend. Yeah. Yeah, that's how he feels about service members here in this country. That's exactly how he feels. He has no heart. Nope. 
No, he does not. What he cares about, Rick, and I'm serious about this, I've followed the man throughout his entire career, and thank you for your call. call. Have a great weekend. Um, what he cares about is him and those around him and how what happens around him affects him. That's all the man cares about. He's a very, very selfish individual. He cares only about one thing, and that is him. The reason he is president today is because those who actually run the country, Obama, Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, people like that, they knew they could use him to run the country through him because there's nothing behind the man's eyes. Uh, he's he's basically just a walking corpse at this moment. I mean, he's just th- there. He's a mannequin, a walking mannequin. And uh, they knew that they could just run the country through him because all he cares about is not about the country. He doesn't care about you. He cares about himself. He wanted president of the United States on his headstone, and he'll get that. He'll get what he finally wanted. And I followed the man throughout his entire career. I can tell you I had conversations in the 1970s with my dad about Joe Biden throughout the years. And here we are today with him being the president, the appointed president of the United States, so the others could operate and do what they're doing through him. And that means the swamp, which includes the Department of Justice and the FBI and what they're doing and what they have been doing to sway elections and to interfere in elections. And they did so in 2020's election with Joe Biden and Donald Trump to sway it toward Joe Biden. I've got the details about that coming up for you next. And your traffic and AccuWeather as well. Trey Ware, KTSA. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. It's Red Funky Friday, y'all. And it's 520, 550 KTSA, FM 1071, Trey Ware page at KTSA.com. So Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, the owner of Facebook, the developer of Facebook, he he goes on the Joe Rogan experience, and uh, he says the unspoken part yesterday, that basically the FBI did interfere in the 2020 election uh, to, to sway it toward Joe Biden. Quote, the FBI, I think, basically came to us some folks on our team and they were like hmm, uh hey uh just so you know uh you you should be on high alert uh there was the uh, you know we thought there was a lot of um you know russian propaganda in 2016 election and and we have it on notice that uh, basically there's about to be some kind of dump you know it's it's coming down it's 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 going to hit pretty soon and it, well so just you know be vigilant and shortly afterwards the new york post came out with the article, the first article, about Hunter Biden's laptop from hell. And the story was immediately removed by Twitter. You couldn't talk about it. You couldn't read it on Twitter. You couldn't do anything with it on Twitter. Facebook reduced its distribution. It appeared on fewer people's news feeds. In fact, according to uh, Zuckerberg, it was down to a basically a non-meaningful degree. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if the FBI, which, you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a very professional law enforcement, uh, Zuckerberg telling Rogan, uh, they came to us and and, and we said we need to be on guard, you know, and I, I wanted to take it seriously, you know. These bombshell allegations from Zuckerberg comes at the same week that a whistleblower revealed the FBI forbade its agents from investigating the Hunter Biden laptop until after the 2020 election. Rogan then asked Zuckerberg, 
Story's factual, though, wasn't it? The laptop's real. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it sucks. I mean, it turned out to be after the fact. I mean, the fact checkers looked into it. No, no no one was able to say it was false, right? So, basically, they had this period where it was getting less distribution. They shut it down before the 2020 election to interfere in the 2020 election. The FBI. And the heads at the FBI told the agents, according to the whistleblowers who are now coming forward, saying, oh, this is a whistleblowers within the FBI now telling senators, this is a hugely political organization, and it is used for politics, for political purposes, for the left, for the Democrats, pushing the Democrats forward so the Democrats win and Republicans lose. And they have all the secrets. They have all the investigative authority and power. And they're using it for the Democrats. This is what the whistleblowers are telling the the, uh, senators. Most of the corporate press ignored the Hunter Biden story. CNN took a year and a half to admit the laptop from hell was legitimate. Jeff uh, Zucker over at CNN shut it down completely, told his people, you will not talk about it. You will not talk about this. And more than 50 former senior intelligence officials signed a letter claiming, oh, yeah, that laptop story, that's uh, Russian information. That's what that is. That's Russian information. And they have yet to be held accountable. Clapper, Brennan, they have yet to be held accountable for participating in what I believe was interference in the 2020 presidential election. They were interfering in 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 an election here to swing it to Joe Biden. And then the FBI telling their agents, you will not. In fact, the word they used was, you will not look into the Hunter Biden laptop. You will not. So it is not a stretch to imagine that what we're going to get today from the Department of Justice is a bunch of crapola, okay? What we're going to see today, first of all, the judge, Bruce Reinhart, recused himself a few weeks ago from a lawsuit involving Donald Trump because he has a bias against Donald Trump because his Facebook page is covered up with anti-Trump messages. This judge that's in charge of the Mar-a-Lago thing. Uh-huh. So, yeah, what we're going to get in this redacted thing coming down today is a bunch of redactions, and the only thing that's going to be left is going to be swayed in the favor of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray, the FBI, who is, in my view, and has been participating in, and again, not you field agents out here, You guys are protecting us. You're keeping us strong and safe, and we appreciate you. Talking about the political heads in D.C. and what they have been doing to interfere in our elections, to deliver it into the hands of Democrats. It's very dark. It is the swamp. Now they're taking on Donald Trump and blaming him for something else. Remember, they accused him of racism, of xenophobia, of misogyny, of fascism, of sexism, embezzlement, perjury, sex crimes, mental illness, treason, which is a death penalty, by the way. They impeached him twice, and then they sent the FBI to get into his home because then they said, well, he's attempting to sell nuke secrets. They've said all this about Donald Trump, and the latest that they're saying about Donald Trump is that he created the COVID vaccine, that he pushed He pushed the FDA to approve the the COVID vaccine. He wanted the COVID vaccine out there in a hurry. The COVID vaccine is Donald Trump's doing. It's his fault. 
the vaccine is his fault. We learned from Democrats this week an investigation by the uh, coronavirus subcommittee found, and Politico has a piece on their website about it. Politico's a far-left arm of the, of the DNC. The Trump administration pressured the Food and Drug Administration to hurry up on COVID-19 vaccines. Hurry. An accelerated timeline. In fact, they didn't even test this stuff. They just handed it out to people, you know, recklessly. James Clyburn, the guy who uh, also participated in interference in the 2020 election, in my view, to sway it to Joe Biden, said Donald Trump assaulted our nation's public health institutions with his poison, the vaccine, undermining our nation's coronavirus response by hurrying the vaccine to get it out. He was in such a hurry to get it out. They didn't have time to test it. You see what's going on? You're about to be hit with a whole lot of information about the COVID-19 vaccine and what it's doing to people. And Democrats are panicking right now. They're going to be blamed for the single greatest public health disaster in history. And they're trying to shift the blame to Donald Trump right now, saying it was his fault because he hurried it up. It's all his fault. When, in fact, it was Joe Biden who said he needed to be in charge of the coronavirus response because too many people were dying under Donald Trump. And I'll take it from here. I've got this, and I'm going to force this vaccine at the arms of people by taking their careers away from them, and he did it. Just yesterday, Mariel Bowser, who is the mayor of Washington, D.C., said again that children may not go to school in Washington, D.C. unless they are vaxxed. They may not even go to school online. They're not allowed to do any kind of schooling in D.C., home or away or in the schools or whatever, until they're vaxxed. But you know what we're finding out? People are dying. People are getting myocarditis. New Zealand studies, people are dying. Dutch researcher Andre Redart publishing a paper, COVID-19 vaccines all cause mortality, finding that hundreds and hundreds of cities and towns that they analyze could not observe a mortality-reducing effect to the vaccination in Dutch municipalities. They're finding the opposite. The vaccine may be killing people in some of these places. Unexplained mortality is what they call it. It's on the rise in many other countries, Australia, England, Wales. The Canadian government is seeing a similar uh, problem on a huge scale there in Canada. As of this summer, people who took the vaccine in the Canadian province of Manitoba are roughly 50% more likely than the unvaccinated to be hospitalized or die from COVID. So we have data from more Canadian uh, provinces, and they're trying to hide it now because on July 28th, the province of British Columbia announced it's going to stop reporting the number of deaths that occurred in people who have taken the COVID-19 booster. The most recent data available, 70% of all deaths in that province occurred in people who are boosted. Boosted. There's no doubt in my mind that the more shots you get now, the chances are you're going to get sick. When you look at the people who are maxed shot and max boosted, they have repeated, repeated occurrences of COVID in just a short amount of time. Joe Biden had it twice in one month, and now his wife has it twice in one month. She's got it again. She just had it last week, hundreds of times. The pandemic of the unvaccinated, that's what we were told. It's the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Hmm. We're seeing a lot of different places, a lot of different data sets. Kenji Yamamoto, writing in the Journal of Virology, 
The Lancet study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two, do- two doses, of, uh, doses of COVID-19 vaccine lower than that among unvaccinated individuals. Bloomberg and Reuters reporting today almost 40% of people hospitalized in the U.S. with COVID are vaccinated and boosted. Reuters again reporting today Pfizer's Paxlovid, the pill shows no measurable benefit in adults 40 to 65. It's an Israeli study, 109,000 patients. So what we have here is a push by the left-wing media, Politico, ABC, CNN, and the others, to say, now that we're finding out the vaccine didn't protect you from getting COVID, and now it looks like if you continue to get shots over and over again, COVID boosters, that you're more likely to get sick. Now the vaccine is Donald Trump's fault. Jim, go right ahead. Yes, sir. You know, they keep calling us a vaccine. And technically, it's not a vaccine because it's medically impossible to vaccinate anyone for a disease that is cross-species. And that's what this one is. It's more of a therapeutic. Calling it a vaccine would be like calling uh, Adolf Eichmann a Catholic or something. I mean, it, it don't even fit. All right. Thank you, Jim. i got to run for the news. Back in just a minute, Trey Ware, KTSA. Well, it's Red Funky Friday. If you're just now waking up, good morning, San Antonio. Trey Ware, 550 KTSA, FM 1071. Trey Ware And it's going to be great Uh, today and tomorrow. Some clouds and sun. High of 94 both days. Same thing basically on Sunday as well. So good-looking weekend. And our rain chances come back about midweek next week. So we're going through the news stories of the morning. If you want to comment on them, you are certainly welcome to do so at 21059. You're compelled to do so. (laughs) 210-599-5555. Mike Davis, a former law clerk for Neil Gorsuch, uh, head of a, a foundation called the Article 3 Foundation, uh, very well-read, uh, smart guy. <clears throat> Mike Davis says, and he's in a position to know, that he agrees with me that the DOJ actually at Mar-a-Lago was after the leather-bound documents that they found toward the end. They were after the leather-bound documents because they're so damning to Obama and Biden and the others who started off and ran the Crossfire Hurricane program, which was what? That was Russian collusion. And I've said over and over again, the FBI agents who were involved in running the Russian collusion deal that, that went to the, uh, the FISA and lied to the FISA court in order to unmask Carter Page to spy on Donald Trump, um, they're the same names. They're the same ones that ran the raid a few weeks ago in Mar-a-Lago. Today is the day that that affidavit is supposed to be made public. Now, look, this is what the DOJ is going to do. I'm going to predict this, that they have redacted all kinds of stuff that would give Donald Trump any standing in this, and they've highlighted the stuff that makes them look good, okay? Because now we know for a fact that they are playing politics and they are involved in swaying elections as far as I'm concerned, as far as my opinion is concerned. That's exactly what's going on after Jeff Zuckerberg saying to, or Mark Zuckerberg saying to uh, Joe Rogan yesterday that the FBI let him know that, hey, you're going you're gonna to be hit, man. This was before the 2020 election. You're going to be hit with a bunch of Russian disinformation. 
It happened in 2016, and it's, we, we got it on good authority. It's about to happen again. So when you see stuff happen here in the next day or so, that's Russian disinformation, okay? And what happened later that afternoon? They got the information because the New York Post put it up about Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, that right there is Russian disinformation. So they kept people from seeing the information about the laptop from hell. And now we know the laptop from hell was real and that it's factual and that it's the, the real deal. And Zuckerberg is now saying, well, I, I, I didn't know at the time. I just had to go with what the FBI told me. No, you didn't. First of all, no, you didn't. You're supposed to be a First Amendment uh, organization. That's what you claim to be, a First Amendment organization. Second of all, um, you know, <laughs> the FBI being involved in these kind of things to sway elections to the Democrats, that's a little bit troubling, don't you think? Because they've got the secrets, they've got the info, and they can bring pressure to bear. They can raid your home if you're a former president. If you're the publisher of information they don't want out, they can raid your home like they did with Project Veritas just a few weeks ago. And I'm going to tell you more about that. Now, the White House is lashing out on their loan cancellation, which is not loan cancellation. It is, of course, transferring it to the rest of us. Now the rest of us have to pay the student loans. And they are relating it to people who took PPP loans during COVID. And what they're doing is they're publishing the financial info about Republicans and the PPP loans. I have a list of what they tweeted out yesterday. Private financial information about Republicans and PPP loans that they put out, that the White House is putting out, you see? Now, where would you get that? How would you get that? That's got to be in some sort of database, dossier. It's got to be somewhere, right? Huh. I wonder if the White House got it from the FBI. And they're putting out all this information about these people that got PPP loans, Republicans that got PPP loans. Well, let me tell you something. The PPP loan is a completely different deal than what Joe Biden is doing right now. The government forced those businesses to shut down. And the government provided compensation to keep people employed. That is not the same thing as you paying or, or re, re, you know, refusing to pay your college loan that you voluntarily undertook. Okay? The people who have college loans, they voluntarily undertook those college loans. With the PPP, the government forces the businesses to close. You've got to take a PPP loan to pay the employees during that time so people don't get uh, unemployed. And then the government uses that information to attack these businesses over what they're doing right now with COVID loans. Jimmy was telling me earlier on his face, Facebook page that people are over there saying, I don't really care. I understand what you're saying. I get it. I understand the whole thing about, you know, you shouldn't have to pay my loan. But I'm in such bad shape right now that I just need the money. Well, two things about that. First of all, I haven't found anything anywhere that says they're going to send these people ten grand. I haven't found it anywhere. They haven't announced it. What they're likely to do, if this happens, I don't think it's going to happen. I think this thing is going to be crap canned on through the courts. But let's just see. Let's just say it, it goes through. I think what they're, they're liable to do is just take $10,000 off what you owe on your loan. So if you owe, you know, $190,000, you're going to owe 10000 less than that. Okay. 
I think that's the way they're going to do this thing. They're not going to mail out $10,000 checks to these people. I don't believe so. I don't believe that's how this is going to work. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, what have we heard since Joe Biden became president? We have heard, oh, well, a bunch of crap. You're right. You're right. You're right. A bunch of lies. But what we have heard primarily is the economy is in such great shape. Thanks to Joe Biden, man, the economy is awesome. We're all rich. We're all making money. It's the best economy we've ever had. Well, then why are people on Jimmy's Facebook page and other places going, I'm in such bad shape, I have got to have the $10,000. I really don't care. I get it. I understand. It's unconstitutional. I understand that Joe Biden can't do this. I understand he's not supposed to do it. It's immoral for you to have to pay my note. But I'm such bad shape, I need the money. Give me the money. Send me the money. Send me the 10000 I got to have it. Well, wait a minute. How come you're in such bad shape? I thought this economy was kicking butt and taking names. That's what we hear all the time from Joe Biden. It's an awesome economy. One other thing about this is he's us- using the HEROES Act to do it, okay? If you're in the military, <laughs> I I don't know how you serve this guy as commander in chief. I, I get it. You You said you would, and you're carrying through on your obligation i understand but good lord he's using the heroes act you know what it is heroes act was put into effect in 2003 by george w bush and congress congress passed it bush signed it and what it's for was at that time and it was only supposed to be for that time was that military members who were in war in iraq afghanistan who were having a hard time paying their bills their, particularly their student loans, that they could have them on a case-by-case basis forgiven. Not a mass forgiveness, just a case-by-case. Uh, private, you know, Jones, come here, Corporal Smith, come here, and we'll take a look at your case, and we'll either, you know, uh, erase your student loan, you know, or, or you know, greatly reduce it or whatever. But that's what it was for. It was for men fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan who had student loans to have it reduced. And this jerk, who is the president of the United States, is using that authority because he has no authority to do either force money out like that. That's Congress's authority. He has no congressional authority or constitutional authority to do that. Or number two, he has absolutely no authority to do a mass forgiveness of loans. None whatsoever. None. That's not even in the Educational Act. The Education Act allows the Education Secretary to, on a case-by-case basis, say, yeah, you've got a hardship. You, you need some help. Okay, we'll reduce your student loan. But you can't do a mass forgiveness of loan. It is not allowed. And I get it that the people on Jimmy's page, in other words, oh, but I know, but I know, I know all those things, but I just got to have the forgiveness. I need the money, man. Send me my $10,000. Well, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people out there with mortgages that are putting them in a bind. You going to send them money to cover their mortgage? There's a lot of people out there who have business loans who are putting them in a bind. You want to send them money to cover their business loan? What's wrong with you? What are you thinking? So here we are. Well, the president that really doesn't care about the future of this country. You know what I mean? He doesn't care what he's doing. Burn the whole thing down just so Democrats will win in the midterms. Burn it down. 
And this is the kind of thing you should be hearing from Republicans, and you're not, and that's frustrating. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about California and their electronic vehicles. And, oh, i got another story on electronic vehicles that is just driving me crazy this morning. The pledge is coming up, too. Trey Ware, KTSA. On the street, Blow, Daddy. She left the boys in the band. By 53. <laughs> it's a temptation sink. It's a Friday. It's Friday. Can you tell it's Red Friday? Where you're red today. Remember, all, everyone deployed. We're going to talk more about that coming right up here on KTSA. But first, I got to take you to California. I'm sorry you got to go to California with me. I promise not to be there all that long, but I do want to talk a little bit about CARB, the California Air Resources Board. Been telling you about this all week. Well, they approved it yesterday. They're outlawing cars that burn that nasty fuel that they get out the ground. Yeah. That, 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 that fuel that, that makes us independent in America and secure and safe in America and underpins everything in our economy in America, from the undershorts you're wearing right now to the airplane you're going to fly in this weekend, everything is underpinned by oil ugh, and gas. Ugh. All right, so they outlawed them yesterday and said uh, by 2026, they're going to be down to certain percentages, and then by 2035, no gas-operated vehicles allowed in California. Now, Joe Biden made the comment yesterday that the MAGA group, those who follow Donald Trump, where they are semi-fascist. No, folks, this is what you call fascism. This is what you call authoritarianism. This is what you call controlling people's lives telling them what they can and cannot buy when it comes to a legal product. Inslee, Governor Inslee says Washington State's going to do the same. There's about 12 other states that are going to do this as well. Huh, let me just point out a few bullet points here. First of all, California has brownouts and blackouts all the time. They can't keep the power on for what they have now. There is no way that they can put up enough windmills and solar panels to do this. There is, it's, a, it's an impossibility. Um, I just had a uh, some family members come back from a state not too far away, a, a state from New Mexico, and they were in an EV, and they had to stop to recharge three to four times. So EVs have to stop to recharge three to four times more than gas vehicles. Because I got a friend who makes that same exact trip every year, a couple times a year, and he stops once to put gas in his big old gas guzzling truck. This was a little tiny car that fit two people, and it had to stop three to four times may i also point out the countries that will be strip mined for the battery material to be made in china in fact the components for these cars will be made in china shipped to mexico assembled in mexico and then sent into the u.s to be sold that's why ford is laying off three thousand employees as we speak in the united states they're not firing anybody in mexico I don't have to remind you in Texas, ERCOT issues warnings about electricity all the time, year-round. Now, it just used to be high usage times, but now we get it all the time. Hey, a blackout coming, brownout coming, look out. Reduce your usage. Set your thermostat to 9,000 degrees and sweat your butt off in the house so that we can keep power going here in the state of Texas. In fact, I'll just, a real quick story. During the pandemic, we were doing the show at home, remember? And we had that big snowfall. And the power went out, 
And so we were doing Where and Rima on a cell phone. I did this show on a cell phone sitting in my studio at home because we had no electricity. It was not available. Why? Because snow was on top of the solar panels that CPS was, was depending upon, and the windmills frozen up. You know what I had to do doing the show on a cell phone? Because there was no electricity. There was no electricity here. Don Morgan sat in the black. Elaine sat in the black. You know what I had to do to do the phone? I had to go out and fire up my car. <laughs> I had to turn my car on and plug my phone into my gasoline-powered car so it charged my phone so I could do the radio show. <laughs> my gasoline-powered car did the radio show. Ultimately, this is about controlling your life, controlling your movement. They're going to ration your electricity, and they're going to tell you how often you're going to be allowed to drive. They're going to tell you how many times you can leave the house because we've got to ration electricity. Listen, you can't drive this weekend. It's high usage. It's August in Texas, and, and it's high usage time. So, listen, I need you to stay home. Be a patriot. Do your duty. Stay home. And it's one step from requesting to demanding and ordering you to stay home. Now, I've already told you the stories about how these car companies are going to start charging you for every little thing in the vehicle, like you want to use the AC. That's going to be a monthly fee. Right now, BMW is charging people to heat their seats, $18 a month. All right, so that's what that's where they're going. The car manufacturer doing that. And people have not yet asked the question, when you put a drop of fuel in your car, how many taxes are on that drop of fuel? Exactly. So what happens when you're not putting drops of fuel in your car anymore, gallons of fuel in your car? What happens to those taxes? Exactly. Exactly. Lots of state taxes going to go away in California when they get rid of these gas-powered vehicles, right? Right? So where are they going to get those taxes? They're going to charge you per mile. They're going to charge you per mile. So you're going to pay a toll per mile, tax per mile, on driving your car to the state and to the federal government, and they're also going to do toll roads. I'm telling you, folks, this is about controlling you and your movement and where you go and when you go there. That's what this ultimately is about. Got more to say about it? Got to take a break. Trey Ware, KTSA. Say what? <laughs> what? Say what? Tonight is fun. And it's Funky Friday. It's Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed on Funky Friday. Good morning, San Antonio. 608 Treyware 550 KTSA FM 1071. The Treyware page at KTSA.com. There's Don, there's Jimmy, and there's Elaine. And the phones are always open at 210 599 5555. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, 31, Salt Lake City, Utah. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosa Pichardo, 25, of Lawrence, Massachusetts. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L. G., 23, Sacramento, California. 
Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, 22, Indio, California. Marine Corps Corporal Dagan W. Page, 23, Omaha, Nebraska. Marine Corps Corporal Umberto Sanchez, 22, Logansport, Indiana. Marine Corps Lance Corporal David Espinosa, 20, Rio Bravo, Texas. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, 20, St. Charles, Missouri. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley J. McCollum, 20, Jackson, Wyoming. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, 20, Rancho, California. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, 20, Norco, California. Navy Hospitalman Maxton Soviet, 22, Berlin Heights, Ohio. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Knaus, 23, Coryton, Tennessee. The names of those who died one year ago today in the very botched withdrawal out of Afghanistan at the hands of Joe Biden. Those who are gone, but as long as I'm in this chair, will never be forgotten. The White House, as we know right now, at this moment, as we sit here, 610 Central Standard Daylight Time, has no plans to do anything to commemorate the loss of life of one year ago in Afghanistan. They have not announced any type of ceremony or mention or discussion of it. They simply want it to go away. And when you look at the names and what is striking about this is the ages. 23, 22, 20, 20, 20, 20, 22, 23, 22, 25, 31. You realize they were the best our country has to offer at such a young age. And as long as I sit in this chair, I won't forget what happened one year ago today in Afghanistan. The president promised, by the way, the very next day that he wouldn't forget. Because on August 27th, 2021, the front page of the Washington Post said this. I'm looking at it now. Biden vows retribution after 13 U.S. service members were killed in Afghanistan bombing. Their key updates, their bullet points from the Washington Post of the story, single suicide bomber caused the death of service members at airport gate. A 13th U.S. service member dies, 18 or injured, military says. And Biden says to those who carried out the Kabul attacks, we will hunt you down and make you pay. Well, he hunted down a father in a car with his children hauling water. And he fired a drone strike at that. Blew the car up, killed the daddy and the children. And that was the retribution. That's the only retribution. That's the only making you pay that has happened. And since that day, this president has yet to do anything to remember the names 
who were lost. Even when he went to Dover Air Force Base, and bodies were being offloaded, he was staring at his watch. How much longer do I have to be here? How much longer do I have to endure watching these flag-draped coffins pass in front of me? How much longer? Maybe he should ask that of Shanna Chappelle. Shanna Chappelle uh, was the mother of Marine Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui. He was one that was killed there. And when Joe Biden met with the families there, she was talking about Kareem and how when he was just a little boy, he saw a Marine in his uniform and said, I'm going to be a Marine someday, Mommy. And when he turned 18, he rushed down to sign up to become a Marine. And immediately he was sent off. Little did his mommy know, little did he know, little did his big brother know, that he was going to perish in this very botched withdrawal out of Afghanistan. But when she was speaking with the president about Kareem, the president interrupts her. Biden says, well, I had a son named Bo who died. Bo was in the military, and he died. And I have a dead son, too. I have a dead son, too, said the president, to a grieving mother who just days before lost her son. She said, I looked at him, and I said, what are you doing? This is not about your son. This is about my son today. Your son died of cancer. You had a chance to say goodbye. I had no chance to say goodbye to my son. Just a few weeks ago, Kareem's older brother, 28-year-old Dakota Halverson, Dakota used to go up to the grave. He spent the past year going up to the grave of, of Kareem, and it's, there were some nights he would sleep there. And he would tell his mom, I, I, I don't want Kareem to be alone. I just I feel so sad that he's gone. I'm so sad. And then he started talking about wanting to be with Kareem. And just a few short weeks ago, 28-year-old Dakota Halverson took his life. The effects of this are far and wide and will be felt by family and by this nation forever. And no, I will never forget, and as long as I sit here, I will remember those deployed the service of this country, wherever they are, because they are in harm's way, no matter what their job is right now. Friday, we always wear red, and we always say it's Red Friday. We remember those deployed, and of course, every day is Memorial Day as well, because every day we think about those who gave their lives. And this day, one year later, we remember those 13. We'll be right back. Traffic and AccuWeather next, KTSA. It's Funky Friday. It's Red Friday. It's 621 at 550 KTSA FM 1071, the Treyware page at KTSA.com. And as we go through the headlines, you can always be a part of it at 210-599-5555. Well, that didn't take long now, did it? 
Two days is all it took for Biden's loan transfer. It's grown from $330 billion. Now it's up to $500 billion. Hey, it's well on its way to a trillion. Hey, 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 baby. Going to a trillion dollars worth of, of uh, debt transfer off the backs of these snot-nosed brats that won't pay their bills and put it right on you. Yeah, and what are they saying on, on Jimmy's Facebook page and elsewhere? Well, they're saying, I just need that money. I'm in such a tight bind. i got to have that ten grand. Well, let me tell you something. I can't find anywhere that says they're going to send you a $10,000 check. They have yet to say they're sending you a $10,000 check. Uh, w- what they have said is, you know, we're going to do it up to $10,000 for people up to $125,000 of income. So you got a chance to, to take $10,000 off your loan. Well, that's different than sending you a $10,000 check. Now, ain't it? Yeah, I can use the word ain't. We're in Texas. So anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, we'll just see how they do this because they're, they're, they're playing everything, all their cards close to the vest. They won't tell you how they're going to pay for this. They won't tell you how much it's actually going to cost. They refuse to answer that question because they're liars. That's why. So I don't really care what they have to say about it because they're liars. They're going to they're going to tell you a lie. Anyway, uh the fact of the matter is he is trying to pull a political stunt here. He probably knows or you know the people that run him because there's nothing in his brain anymore, but the people that run he, no, he's a walking talking mannequin. That's all he is. And he walks stiffly and doesn't talk very well. He's a mannequin. Now he's being run, the strings are being pulled by Barack Obama and Susan Rice and Valerie Jarrett and those people. They're the ones who are running the show, baby. Those people that hate America. And all they're doing is funneling money to the colleges and universities so they can teach more people how to, make, how to, how to hate America. And now we're growing it from $330 billion to $500 billion. How sweet it is to be a F-O-J? <laughs> an F-O-J? <laughs> a friend of Joe's? Now we're finding out, well... No, we're not finding out now. We're getting confirmation now that the FBI apparently was interfering in the 2020 election. Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook was on the Joe Rogan experience yesterday and said, yeah, yeah, the FBI, they came to us before the 2020 election and said, yeah, pretty soon you're going to be getting some Russian interference information that's propaganda out of Russia. You know, laptops, you know, you get anything about laptops. That's, that's Russian information. That's Russian disinformation. That's Russian propaganda. So Zuckerberg is telling this to Joe Rogan, uh, not not realizing, obviously, he's saying the unspoken stuff, the stuff you're not supposed to say. But he's saying it anyway, that basically confirmation, the FBI, as they did in 2016, and again, we're not talking about you field agents out here. You guys are doing a great job protecting us. We're talking about the, the heads in D.C. who are political heads that they interfered in the 2020 election by going to Facebook and going to Twitter and basically telling them, hey, the Hunter Biden laptop is a bunch of BS out of Russia. So when they got that story from the New York Post, when they got the story from the New York Post, Twitter banned the story altogether so nobody on Twitter could see it. And Zuckerberg said, yeah, what we did was we limited it and barely anybody got to see it on Facebook. How's that for the First Amendment for you, baby? So now they've all had to admit, and Zuckerberg admitted it yesterday to Joe Rogan, they've all had to admit, CNN's even admitted, they've all admitted now that the, lap, the laptop uh, is real and the information on there is real and it's factual and it's not Russian disinformation. I'm old enough to remember when they did this that more than 50 senior intelligence officials like James Clapper and John Brennan and others, they signed on to a letter saying, no, that laptop is a Russian information uh, operation. 
uh, trying to uh, you know sway the election to Donald Trump. That was a lie, but yet they have they have not yet been held accountable. And now we know that the FBI was apparently interfering in the 2020 election campaign by keeping information from getting out into the public. In fact, whistleblowers are telling senators now that the top brass at the FBI was telling agents, you may not, do not, you will not, is the way they put it, you will not look into that Hunter Biden laptop. You will not. Now they, now they say they don't even know where it is. Hide the football, baby. We don't know where it is. But they told the agents in the 2020 election cycle, you will not look into that laptop. You will leave it alone. Now, if that is not electioneering, if that's not interference in an election, if that's not throwing the weight of the biggest uh, investigative agency on planet Earth that has all of your secrets in mind, then what the hell is it? If that's not interfering in the election, trying to sway it to Joe Biden and away from Donald Trump, what the hell is it? No, I'm serious. If it's not that, if you say that it's not that, then what is that? If the FBI went to the major social media companies and said, hey, this, this thing you're going to get about the laptop, you know, that's, that, that's just Russian disinformation, man. Uh, you know, make sure you don't post that. And, and at the same time, they're telling your agents, their agents, you will not investigate this story. You will not investigate this laptop. If that's not meddling in an election, then you tell me what it is, 210-599-5555. Because to me, it's clear to me that is meddling in an election. And it's clear to me they've already started it with Donald Trump here in this Mar-a-Lago raid for 2024. It's clear to me that they are trying to sway the election again. Uh, prove me wrong. Say something to me that will change my mind, please. And again, we're not talking field agents out here because apparently the field agents have become whistleblowers and they're now tattletelling on the higher-ups in the big buildings up in Washington, D.C. Thank God for them to have the, the, the facts and the truth and being able to do it. Today we're going to get this piece of junk affidavit that's going to be heavily redacted in favor of the government under the auspices of Judge Bruce Reinhardt, who recused himself from a lawsuit with bias against Donald Trump just a few weeks ago. Now, Mike Davis, former law clerk for Neil Gorsuch, and a man who's in a position to know, says he agrees with me, basically, that when the DOJ went to Mar-a-Lago and raided Donald Trump's home, they were after the leather-bound documents that they found because those leather-bound documents are so damning to Obama and Biden and the others who were running crossfire hurricane known as Russian collusion. That's what they were after. They don't want those documents out there because it's damning to Obama, Biden, and those who are running those intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we used to look at the Soviet Union and say, you know, their KGB was horrible. Man, we've got, we've got a paragon of virtue here in the FBI, and our, our organizations here are fantastic. Really? Can you say that now? Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five, and now they're trying to blame Donald Trump for what? Well, I'm going to tell you after the news. That's coming up as well. I got to tell you about my friend, uh, Dr. Mark Havercorn over at River City Oral Surgery. Great guy, great surgeon. In fact, he is a medical doctor. He has full hospital privileges. He does surgery several times a week, as a matter of fact, and he's ready to take care of you. 
Now, it can be something as simple as needing an implant, one or two implants, to make your mouth whole and healthy once again, or all on four. You might want all uppers done. We're running these commercials right now. It's a great story, a guy who couldn't enjoy eating the way he used to and the things he used to eat because he was missing several teeth. Well, Dr. Havercorn did an all on four procedure on him. He's got a beautiful smile and great chompers. He can eat anything he wants now, and he says he enjoys uh, having dinner with the kids and grandkids again. Isn't that a great story? This is the kind of life transformation that Dr. Havercorn and River City Oral Surgery is doing for people, real-world people just like you and me. Check them out at rivercityoms.com and make your appointment at 210-778-0002. Remember, everyone deployed. It's Red Funky Friday. 635 Trey KTSA. So, Don, outside of God, family, radio, mm-hmm. what is my other passion that I do every day when I leave here? Uh, you go for a ride on your motorcycle. <laughs> I'm a two-wheel nut and have been since I was six years old. In fact, I posted not that long ago another picture of me riding the mini bike, hanging on to my dad when I was about four or five uh, years no, old. I love that picture. <laughs> you love that? It's, it's, it's like your dad, and it's like a mini bike or something. That's what it is. It's a little and, tiny mini bike. And, and your dad, who was a, you know, a large fellow. Uh, I mean, six he, two. Yeah, he's on this little teeny mini bike. <laughs> yeah. He's got you on the back, and I think it's your, your sister. That's right. She, she's three. And he's smoking a butt <laughs> as he's driving. <laughs> well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yeah. That's how I was raised, okay? Yeah. None of us had helmets on, right. which, you know, that t- today you'd be in so much trouble right but uh yeah no we were just having fun because i love two wheels and i grew up uh, right at that time i started motocross racing at six right and since that time i have spent my life on two wheels you know yeah. i've raced nascar and i did all sure. that too but uh you know and flew airplanes but the main thing that's always always been there has been a motorcycle ride and i really do i leave here at nine nine thirty whenever i get done and I'll I'll go for a quick ride, you know, about an hour or so, just to kind of clear my head and get Joe Biden out of my head because I can't live with him in my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I got to get that guy out. So um, now there are people out there in charitable organizations. And, and remember, I went to Sturgis last year. I, I didn't get a chance to go this yeah, year. Yeah, you're, but I'm, st- you're still bearing those I, I really am. I really am. That's my thing. Do you need a hug? <laughs> I will get one soon. Jimmy. <laughs> no, yeah. That, that's your not, job. Not from you guys. Elaine, come here. I need a hug. Um, but there, there are organizations that are out there that combine their love of motorcycles with taking care of kids. And I have recently found out about the Guardians of the Children, and I wanted to learn more about them. So Guardian Text is joining me on the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline to talk about what they do as the Guardians of the Children and how it involves motorcycles. So Tex, I appreciate your time this morning, man. Thanks for coming on. Trey, I appreciate being on your show. I'm really excited. Tell us about the Guardians of the Children. What is what is it that you guys do? So we're a nonprofit motorcycle organization, and our, our sole purpose is to work with children, helping them overcome the trauma of child abuse that they have faced, as well as educating the public on how they can recognize and react to child abuse appropriately. Wow, that's great. So what kinds of things do you do? So we take families in that are currently in the court system or starting that process, uh, and we give them guidance. Uh, we essentially model a big brother, big sister uh, style form with these children to where they have somebody to look up to. And it's kind of like when you're a kid in the being picked on in school, you, you make friends with the kid, with the guy bigger than the bully. We're the guys bigger than the bullies to the children. So it gives them that confidence that they can go through this struggle and eventually get up on a stand and point a finger at the person and go, well, they did it. Because unfortunately, many times that's a family member, right? 
most of the time, uh, over 80% of cases involve a direct family member or related m- member of the family. And most of the time, if, if not all of the time, is somebody who is bigger, faster, and stronger than that young child, right? Oh, absolutely. That's they prey on these, these perpetrators prey on the weak, and our uh, our goal is to make sure that they don't prey on this child again, and to give that child the confidence to never be afraid uh, of that individual ever again. So I was looking on your Facebook page. Uh, there are times when you guys get called up in the middle of the night uh, because a child is feeling uh, insecure um, or, or might be f- uh, feeling threatened in some right. shape, form, or fashion, and they they have your phone number, and that and the child can call you directly, right? Yeah, so we work, uh, police are reactive. Uh, we know they're kind of bound by the, the confines of the law. You know, they can go out and assess, but if there's no crime being committed, they, they have to move on. Um, we're not bound by that, so if a child is being uh, is afraid or is being, uh, you know, stalked or kind of trying, you know, the, the perpetrator is trying to discourage them from testifying in court, we can go and sit outside their house and give them that extra comfort that, you know, we'll, we'll protect their home while you get some rest. And we've, we've done that many times um, just to give, a, especially leading up to court cases, uh, that, that's always the, the perpetrator's goal and the family of the perpetrator who believe him over the child or her, uh, that they try and intimidate the child. And so our goal is to make sure that that doesn't happen. Even a child that may be being bullied, like, say, at school or something like that, I saw a post on your page where, I, I guess a child was going through some trauma, having to go back to school, and y'all went and got the child and took him or her for ice cream and spent time with that child. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the trauma of their case, because sometimes they're just going back to school, being in that public environment, uh, being around people they don't know is a traumatic experience in and of itself after you've already had your trust violated by somebody who you did know. Yeah. I was talking to one of the guardians the other day, and he was mentioning that uh, you guys do a, I guess it's a coin or something, like a, a stone or something that the child can actually hold. <laughs> and then you, when you, you go to the, you'll actually go to the trial and you'll sit there with your cuts on. And, and as the child is testifying, you'll hold that coin up in the air as a show of support for that child? It's a stone. Um, it's, it's what we call a super, it's a superpower for the child. If, uh, it's pretty cool when you tell a child that you can make all bikers in a room stop and do any one thing at a point in time. All they got to do is take their stone out and call what we call a stone check. And they can pull their stone out and we all have to stop whatever it is we're doing, find our stone and show the child that we have our stone as well. So when they go to court, that's one of the things that they do, they can have in their pockets. Uh, you know, the court's pretty restrictive on what they can have on their persons when they're on a stand or giving an impact statement. But a stone happens to be one of the things that is allowed. Um, so they can hold it in their pocket and they can rub it with them. And we hold it in our hands and we kind of place it, uh, you know, we'll hold it up in the air slightly, not to make a distraction in court because mm-hmm. we can't do that. The judges sure. don't like that. But we'll hold it up just when that child looks over at us, just so they know, hey, we've got our stone with us and we're here to support you. Well, plus it's- Unfortunately, most of the time, these families... You know, when a child's testifying, the the defense attorneys will subpoena mom, dad, sister, brother. So when when they're testifying, especially when that child is testifying, they're by themselves. They're they're supporting family network of people that would have be, that that believed them and would be there for them, are now not in that courtroom. And the only people they really know are the perpetrator yeah. and not a good knowledge. Yeah. You know, you just said exactly what my question was going to be, and I'm sorry I sorry, I interrupted you there, but that was it, because <laughs> you guys go and you sit there in the courtroom, and the child can look out and see his or her support network, and that's you guys, right? You, you guys are there right. to say, we love you, we support you. The, the people over here that are called family aren't really family. They're abusing you, but we're, we're family. We're here to take care of you and support you. 
Yep, absolutely. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what we we we, we enjoy doing that aspect because we we seeing a child going from being a victim to standing on a in a in a courtroom and and giving an impact statement with full confidence and bravery and being six feet away from their perpetrator with no fear of that individual anymore and telling them what you did to me was wrong and how they how that made them feel and what they hope for them in the future. Um, it is really an awesome thing to see a child overcoming and to get to that point of bravery and of confidence and, and really just courage where that perpetrator no longer has to hold a fear over them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that fear is very real. I was bored eyed in a, in a case like that before I didn't make the final cut because I said I'd bury the guy under the jail if he was found guilty and they kicked me out. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't want me on the jury, but uh, you know, yes, it, that fear is very real. And that, that, that child has to be in that courtroom with the perpetrator and has to sit there because you know, the constitution calls for facing your accuser. So knowing that you guys right. are there as the, as the, uh, as the support network is awesome. Okay. So let me just get into this. Um, as we wrap it up, the Guardians of the Children having the San Antonio rally coming up. It's going to be in Holotus, and it's coming up on September 10th from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., and you're giving away a couple of motorcycles and stuff like that, right? Our first prize for the raffle is the winner's choice of they get to pick a 2022 Street Glide special or Road Glide special wow. in whatever color they want. Fantastic. That's great. So you get to choose. All right. And uh, and, and then, of course, there's food and all that. And I just want to say, if you want oh, to yeah. be a, a vendor uh, and you want to set up out there and you want to have something to sell or whatever, you can do that. Or if you want to make a donation to the Guardians of the Children, maybe you're busy on the 10th and you can't be there, then you can make a donation to them. Or, best yet, just be there. This is their one fun, big fundraiser. And obviously, with the work that they're doing, they could certainly use the help. So, how do they get in touch with you guys to make a donation or to become a vendor or to find out more about the September 10th get-together in Holotus? So, our website has all that comprehensive information, and that's gocsatx.com. Um, and that has all of our vendor information for where they can eat, who they can email to be a part of it, as well as if they want to make a donation online or even buy tickets to the raffle online. You can do that as well. Finally, if, they, if somebody listening right now knows a child who's in the type of situation that you and I have just been talking about, Tex, can they also reach out through that website and connect you with that child? Yes, there's a direct link called for contact us, and there's a form, and we get those all the time with families who need help and guidance, and that's one of the one of our goals too is to to push a family in the right direction because unfortunately the court system is not cookie cutter and not easy to navigate sometimes. Yeah, and this is a process no parent ever prepares for, so knowing this process is really an intense process itself. So we like to try and give as much guidance to make it as easy as possible because um, it's already hard enough. Yeah, and your 100% anonymity is guaranteed by the Guardians. Uh, Guardian Text, thank you, man, and uh, we'll be talking again very, very soon. I do appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for letting everybody know what show, what's going on with you guys. Thank you, thank you, Trey. I appreciate the time, and, and thank you for reading the names of the Marines this morning, by the way. I just want to say that person. My son is a Marine over at Camp Lejeune. And so I really do appreciate that. God bless you, and God bless your son, Tex. Thank you for your time this morning. Have a great day, Trey. You too. 645 Trey Ware, KTSA. The 550 KTSA Morning News with Trey Ware appear courtesy of the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. 649 now. It's funky Red Friday at KTSA, and we're getting calls and emails right now. People wanted to know the website for the Guardians of the Children. GOCSATX.com. As in Guardians of the Children, S-A, Texas.com. So it's G-O-C-S-A-T-X 
Raffle.com. And uh, you can find out more about the raffle. You can buy raffle tickets online, and you can make a donation and uh, and help those kiddos out. These guys are really doing great work. That's why I wanted to have Tex on this morning and, and let you know about what they've got coming up on September 10th, but also about the work that they do year-round in protecting these children. I was very impressed when I started to learn about this, and, uh, and I just wanted to get the info to you, okay? All right, so this is what we're finding out. The vax is not a vax. They're now starting to admit that the vax is not a vax. I've said for a long time the vax is, what, a therapeutic at best. It, it might help you a little bit when you get sick, but there's even that is, is not, you know, 100%. So, but, but it's certainly not keeping you from getting it, and even Fauci admitted that. He even said it doesn't keep you from getting it now. So then they transferred, oh, well, you know, but you're not going to get as sick, right? You're not going to get as sick as you probably would have. Well, wait a minute. Now we're finding out another story. There's data and research being done. From Bloomberg News this morning, 40% of people hospitalized in the U.S. with the COVID subvariant vaccinated and boosted. 40%. That's a huge number. Pfizer's Paxlovid COVID pill showing no measurable benefit in adults 40 to 65. That's an Israeli study of 109,000 people. So that's no small study. It's a big study. According to data from New Zealand, the government there, children were vaccinated between the ages of 10 and 19, were more likely, not less likely, more likely to die within a month of vaccination than those who didn't take the vaccine in the same age group. And that's not just New Zealand. A Dutch researcher, Andre Reddert, published a paper entitled COVID-19 Vaccinations and All-Cause Mortality. The research analyzed hundreds of cities and towns. And what did it find? Well, quote, we could not observe a mortality-reducing effect of vaccination in Dutch municipalities after vaccination booster campaigns. We did find a four-sigma significant mortality-enhancing effect during the two periods of high unexplained excess mortality. Huh? What? Excess high mortality. Yeah, that's unexplained mortality. It's also on the rise in many other countries, Australia, England, Wales. This is among people who were vaxxed and boosted. The Canadian government is seeing a similar problem at a huge scale as of this summer. People who took the vaccine in the Canadian province of Manitoba, 50% more likely than the unvaccinated to be hospitalized or die from COVID. And in the Canadian provinces, they're starting to hide the details. Now, on July 28th, British Columbia announced that they're going to stop supporting and reporting the number of deaths that occurred in people who have taken the COVID booster. The most recent available data, 70% of all deaths in that province occurred in people who are boosted. We're talking about this happening hundreds of times. We, we were told over and over again, this was the pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's the unvaccinated, Joe Biden used to say, which was translated, this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it turned out to be exactly the opposite. We're seeing it in a lot of different places. Uh, Kenji Yamamoto wrote in the Journal of Virology, the Lancet study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than those that among unvaccinated. Uh, that sounds like it's hurting people's immune systems, not helping it. Like it's suppressing your immune system, not helping your immune system. In July of this year, the German government put out a tweet stating that at least one of every 5,000 COVID shots caused serious side effects. One in every 5,000. Well, they've got huge numbers of people, millions, that, that got the shots. 
decreasing sperm counts and others. Probably, probably the most serious is heart inflammation, myocarditis. In December of last year, researchers at Oxford found that myocarditis risk was increased during 1 to 28 uh, days following a third dose of the vaccine. And the associations were strongest in males younger than 40 years for all vaccine types, end quote. Researchers in Israel found that the vaccination increased the 42-day risk of myocarditis by a factor of three. It's a very serious heart condition, they say, not a small finding. You may also have noticed that the rise in young athletes dying of heart attacks in recent weeks. 37-year-old cycling champion in Scotland, Rob Wardell, just fell over dead two days after winning a National Mountain Biking Championship. Five doctors in Toronto died in the same month in July. 27-year-old triathlete who died after a swimming competition, 50-year-old Olympian who died after a run. All this information now coming out about the vaccine and what the vaccine has done to people or not done to protect them. In fact, between being vaxxed and boosted, the president of the United States got COVID twice in the same month. Got it, tested negative, got it again. And his wife is doing the same thing right now. She got it and she got tested negative and now she's testing positive again. So what is this vaccine? What did we put in our bodies? What did we put in our bodies? Clearly not a vaccine. So what is it? What did we put in our bodies? But of course, as everything else is, the vaccine is now Donald Trump's fault. This week, the Democrats on the Hill held a special investigation into the vaccine. And South Carolina Congressman James Clyburn, remember, he was the one that shifted the election to Joe Biden because he brought South Carolina to Joe Biden during the primary season. James Clyburn sitting on this uh, committee this week, the coronavirus subcommittee, saying that Donald Trump assaulted our nation's public health institutions with this poison, this so-called vaccine, and in doing so, he undermined our nation's coronavirus response. You see, what they're now saying is that Donald Trump hurried up the vaccine, and because he hurried up the vaccine to get it out, we now have all these people getting sick and getting enlarged hearts and dying from the vaccine. We have all these people that are really not vaccinated. They thought they were, but they're really not. And it's Donald Trump's fault. Politico wrote the piece. Look it up yourself. Google. It's your friend. Politico Donald Trump vaccine. And they wrote the piece yesterday. And the piece says, well, look, Donald Trump hurried it. The Democrat story now, they're talking points that they have out there now donald trump hurried the vaccine and so it wasn't tested so now people are dying and people are getting big hearts and everything else and it's donald trump's fault boy that's something else you know you 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 accuse him of russian collusion you accuse him of racism and fascism and xenophobia sexism and embezzlement and perjury and sex crimes and mental illness you, you impeached him twice, and now you're saying you raided his home because he was going to attempt to sell the nuke secrets. He had nuke secrets he was going to sell. And the latest is Donald Trump. He hurried the vaccine because he got the vaccine to the market in a hurry. Well, now we have people dying. <sighs> these people are soulless. They truly are so- These Democrats are soulless individuals. They have no soul whatsoever. Yeah, nobody has said a word about Anthony Fauci pushing the vaccine, huh? And 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 how many times did you hear from this administration, from this guy, this walking mannequin of a president that we have? How many times did you hear you either get it or you're fired? And he did. He had people fired. 
fired, losing their entire career because they refused to take it. Members of the military and pilots and others refused to take it, and now they're without a career. But at least they got their health. Jill, go right ahead. I've only got a few seconds. Please go right ahead. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jack McCarty said that he saw President Biden as the president of less. In my mind, I see Biden as the president of death. All right. Thank you very much, Jill. Quick break. When we come back, it's Where in Rima for a Friday on KTSA. Today, after a judge ordered the Justice Department to release a redacted version of the Mar-a-Lago search warrant affidavit, Pierre Thomas has more from Washington. As of last night, the Justice Department had no plans to appeal the judge's decision. So today we expect to see the release of the affidavit with some critical information omitted, including the names of witnesses and where the investigation may be heading with hints of who may be the targets. An investigation so sensitive, President Biden was not briefed on the search. A man who was making some late-night car repairs has been shot. Happened at just before midnight last night at Amber Hill Apartments in the 5300 block of Northwest Loop 410. The man was working on a car when he was shot. The victim was rushed to University Hospital, where he is said to be in serious condition. He wasn't able to provide a good description of the shooter, but police are still investigating. The public corruption trial of former constable Michelle Berrientes Vela continues today. The jury heard from a couple of Precinct 2 clerks Thursday, and they testified that Berrientes Vela ordered them to alter or destroy precinct records before leaving office in October 2019. The former Bear County Precinct 2 constable accused of tampering with evidence and official depression. Prosecutors dismissing an aggravated perjury charge last year. The trial expected to go into next week. Want to make sure your next family game night rocks? KISS launching their own board game called KISS Tour, the board game that rocks. It's a two- to four-player game. Comes with real guitar picks as game pieces. It'll be officially officially released September 5th, and you can pre-order it at entertainmentearth.com. KTSA News Time is 7.02. The Texans perfect in preseason play. Here's Rudy J with sports. The Houston Texans wrapped up the preseason a perfect 3-0, finishing it off with a 17-0 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Davis Mills threw for 58 yards a touchdown and an interception while rookie running back Damian Pierce ran for 37 yards and a score on six carries. Tonight, the Dallas Cowboys will wrap up the preseason as they play host to the Seahawks. Kickoff is set for seven, and it's a game you can catch on your home for Dallas Cowboys football. San Antonio Sports Star starting at seven with the pregame. Speaking of the Cowboys, with the injury to Tyron Smith this week, Pro Bowl left tackle Andrew Whitworth said the Dallas Cowboys were one of many teams to reach out to him. And obviously there's been some things with, uh, you know, the Cowboys and losing Tyron Smith, which is an awful deal. Such a great player and guy I've always just loved watching play. But it's been a busy day of answering calls. The problem is they're calling and texting the wrong person. They need to be texting and calling Melissa Whitworth and the kids because uh, they have final approval on whether I'm ever going to play football again. The 40-year-old Whitworth played 16 seasons in the NFL, the last five with the Rams, retired after winning the Super Bowl earlier this year. The Houston Astros swept the Minnesota Twins, taking the finale 6-3 last night. The San Antonio Spurs have agreed to a deal with free agent guard Tommy Coos, according to report. I'm Rudy J for San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. It's 702 KTSA AccuWeather in time.